1: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, once again coming at you with our Fridays with John Colosimo episode here. We are watching, as we do this podcast, we're just like you guys in your evening, we're simultaneously watching an unbelievable Cooper Cup catch after the weirdest blocked punt um, return slash then decides to kick and I've never seen that John we were talking about it off air man like how you can watch this game your whole life and then there are scenarios where you just have no idea right like I remember watching the Donovan Peoples Jones thing in Kansas City and thinking like okay I I messed that up but not only did I mess that play up there were players on the field for Kansas City who messed it up it was a clear like reminder. the only person who told me was my special teams coach in college I was talking to and he told me um, you know, he wasn't my special teams coach. Andy is Andy Bentley's his name? He's he was a linebackers coach, great linebackers coach, who was our special teams coordinator back then. And he's like, yeah, man, that he explained the whole rule to me. But it was like, okay, I don't feel so bad because so many players botched it, and it was clear that there was a huge miscommunication. Have you ever seen anything like that block punt uh, situation right there, man?
2: No, and that you know it's good for you to call back to that weird DPJ play as well because I, I'm just shocked and impressed that we were even coaching players to know that role because like I said like 25 years I've never seen something like that and uh, I definitely never had to ask myself whether you're allowed to punt the ball twice or <laughs> or like you asked you know while this was uh, being officiated whether you know it was like a quarterback where <clears throat> as he approaches that line of scrimmage you know is it one part that has to be behind the line or you know, or does he have to be completely behind the line? That's just a, you know, a crazy, crazy play. And I would just immediately thought of uh, the Scottish Hammers' absolute botched play in Week One compared to the awareness of this punter. That's, that right hand scoop from
1: that. the punter was as smooth as anything I've ever seen. Right there, man.
2: Oh, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think that the the proof here is that special teams in in the NFL is the weirdest thing ever. It's like the punting. Uh, there's rules in punting, and then there's some rule in Canadian punting too, which isn't it like you can catch a forward pass and then punt or something? I, there's some stupid Canadian football rule like that, where you can you can punt the ball, or I don't know, dude, I don't know it. I have a friend that plays in the CFL, and I don't know it, but I remember I've seen highlights in the CFL, and somebody listening to this knows and can maybe hit me up on Twitter and let me know what I'm forgetting here. But there's some rule where you can do something that's completely abnormal, and you can punt it still, or kick it, or you can kick it twice. I don't know. Or like you can catch, John is like you can catch a kickoff and punt it back to the other team. I don't know. It was really weird.
2: It was really weird. <laughs> somebody's got to get us a clip of it. Somebody, yeah. You know, if, if somebody's listening and knows what Jake is talking about, get us a clip of that.
1: For sure, for sure. I don't. I don't know, man. And then this, this, this weird, this Brown scenario. You're right, though. That is a scenario where a lot of special teams don't even mention it. You don't even know it. You know, it's just like, you don't run into that very often. Maybe a special teams coach mentions it in a meeting or something, and everyone's kind of snoozing. and Because, mis- like, I'm telling you, Kansas City had, like, if you go back and rewatch that play, they have, like, eight guys thinking they scored a touchdown, right? Like, they, they were they were confused, too. So... Um, shout out to Prefer for, for, for teaching DPJ that and DPJ, maybe even DPJ knew that before. Like he may have known it from his Michigan days or his his high school days. I don't know, but definitely possible. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty rare that it happened there for Cleveland. And then this one's even more rare where you punt it gets, and if you're not, you have no clue. We're talking about the punter for the Rams got the kick blocked. was punting. It was blocked. It shoots out to the left. He goes over and scoops it up like a smooth criminal acts like he's going to run it and then stops (laughs) almost right at the line of scrimmage. And Ends up punting it, and it's like you can double punt. What if he's past the line of scrimmage? Can he punt his past line of scrimmage? Apparently, he was right down the line. I don't know. I had my volume off, John did too. We couldn't totally hear it. I'll figure this out later, but pretty crazy. But we're going to talk about around the NFL, and what we're going to talk about is fourth down decisions. Ironically enough, like I don't know, really, fourth down decisions and like the modern uh, appeal of coaches, right? John, like I don't know if I have heard. A coach in uh, Brandon Staley, who's, again, a Dayton, Ohio guy. He went to college there. He's got a lot of connections to Ohio. Um, you know, seems like every coach who does well has all these Ohio connections, either John Carroll or yeah. something. <laughs> right. Um, every time. Yeah, it's, it seems to be foolproof. But but Staley, whose who's rise to the coaching ranks, through the coaching ranks, which went to, to Chicago, uh, all of a sudden he's the D.C. And I think he was a linebackers coach in Chicago. Then all of a sudden he's the D.C. at in uh in 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 LA with the Rams and then boom he's a head coach he's he's a very sharp guy and he made a comment if you have not seen his comment on run game effectiveness and how it unified everybody in NFL Twitter because I was telling John off the air we have this uh there there was a there was a podcast that I I don't listen to a ton of pods personally so you know sorry I I I don't uh what do they say don't 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 uh don't consume your own product right I don't I don't (laughs) listen to a ton of pods I just don't have time I don't between courting this and and my, my son and everything in my life, I don't have a ton of time to listen to. I don't make a commute to the to work or any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I can't, like, work out yeah. to, to words. I got to work out to music. So I just sure. can't carve time for myself to do it. When I do, I try to listen to Rossillo because I just really like him. And I like his general approach to podcasting and, and how he shapes his conversations. And his very it's very hands-off with, like, I got to be right. And he made a great point the other day on his pod about how, like, all these fourth down decisions. And if you if you pay attention close enough to NFL Twitter, like – the thing that gets magnified are these fourth down coaching decisions. And he's just like, man, you know, like there might be reasons they didn't go or did go for a fourth down that you don't understand because they know their team better. Like That's hard to believe, but there's data, but there's also, hey, I know my team can do it or can't do it. And some of that comes into play. And it's like, if you stick around long enough in the NFL and you coach long enough, every single head coach will get hated. They're just going to hate. You're going to get hated. You know, you can't, it's like live long enough to see yourself become the hero or what? what is it, the Batman phrase? I can't even remember it right now. Like uh you die oh, early shoot. or live long enough to yeah, see yourself become enough. the villain or something like that but that's what it is like eventually everyone hates a head coach and like right now it seems like between that quote about the run game where Staley was talking about hey you know here's why we do the run game it brings physicality it makes defensive linemen stay honest it makes them fit the run it makes them tackle It brings physicality, but also he threw in the quote that made analytics Twitter happy, which is you don't have to run to set up play action. And, you know, so he like he I've never seen a quote quite like it where he can cover all the bases, John, that keep every single group of uh, of people on Twitter happy, film Twitter happy, uh, body blows, O-line Twitter happy, like analytics. (laughs) It was wild. And he's a sharp dude. So, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, is this uh, is is. Are we in the golden age of Stefanski? Because people were mad about Stefanski the other day. And it's like, should why? first of all, why are we complaining about Kevin Stefanski, who I thought did a great job scheming? I think we're just looking for reasons. And it's like, is this the best matchup of young uh, overall general approval head coaches? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Like These two seem to be league-wide loved. And I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen any matchup quite like it where like people uh, on the socials are, are in love with two of these head coaches. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Stefanski getting some really random hate, too, from, from those close to Cleveland you know, fans or whatever.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I got untold amounts of people telling me this week that uh, Stefanski should give up play calling over these fourth-down calls. Um, you know, it, it's insane to me. You know, I think that uh, we agree that Stefanski's been pretty amazing. And when you watch the film, you can just see how, how well – they schemed, uh, you know, as a team, offense, defense. It was phenomenal. Uh, you know, the only thing stopping us was our quarterback. The, and, you know, Staley, Staley is fantastic. You know, what's cool about Staley is you, you figure that there had to be a guy at some point who is going to innovate on defense. I know that all the rules are slanted against defense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to play defense in today's NFL. And there was finally, like it seemed like after years, like it's been years and years since anybody was doing anything innovative on the defensive side of the ball. So that's what's pretty cool with Staley. And it's pretty funny, like you talk about checking all the boxes, really, like what it comes down to with Staley, too, is that he begs you to run the ball. And I've kind of been saying this, too, um, you know, almost like a, the spread defense, you know, if if EPA is so bad running the ball, and for most teams it is, you know, then then why not just dare them to run every damn play? You know, if they want to sink, you know, negative negative two to negative point, you know, 0.15, you know, EPA every time they put that ball in their running back's hands, then then dare them to do it. You know, give them the numbers to do it. Um, and some teams you can do that. I mean. This will be a great test in the terms. Of, you know, I didn't know. Yeah, I know. We don't want to go into the matchup here uh, too deeply, but you know, just to make this point, you know, this should be an interesting test for Staley's defensive theory because he's going against a team who, if anybody can take advantage of a defensive team begging you to run the ball, it's the Browns. So, a it, it very interesting uh, matchup between coaches who, right now, I think is. Uh, for sure, on the data side, everybody loves these two coaches. Um, these are probably the best two that you're going to find on anybody's uh, score sheet for that kind of thing. So, should be interesting to see how that goes.
1: And, bo- and both are pretty fourth down aggressive. I mean, Kevin, you know, I don't think he has any fear. And even though Chase McLaughlin's kicking really well, like I, he just has no fear of of going. And uh, I, I don't think that their fourth down play calls have been bad. I just think that. They've had some bad luck. Teams have uh, called the right scheme at the right time. I hope he continues to be aggressive, but I also trust that if he's not aggressive, he has a reason why. Like I can believe that if he doesn't want to do it, he probably got a good reason for not doing it, uh, other than just this is what the numbers tell me. And we're we're going to dig into that. I want to really really talk about that run game, uh, what they're threatening or or what they're asking defense or sorry opposing offenses to do. What the what the what the Chargers can do. Because there are teams on the schedule like Cleveland and like Baltimore who will say, okay, we'll, we'll right. do that, no problem. Right. So, um,
2: yeah, we're one going to dive too, into that too. Go ahead. One thing too on that fourth down thing, you know, right now, you know, we got a chart that came out where, you know, it basically shows which teams go for it when they should mm-hmm. this year. To put that out. Um, the Browns lead the league by roughly 15%. They're at like 82% going for it when they should so far. Now, one of the things I just want to make a point about is that when Kevin was asked about this, he had a great answer for it, and it wasn't just that, oh, the spreadsheet told me that I needed to. Kevin went into that game thinking like we would, which was that the Vikings were going to score some points. That's a good offense. He said, I'd be coming into this game. We thought we needed to have touchdowns. And, you know, so you should be able to you know, appreciate that even if you're mad, like it's never going to feel good when you, when you miss on a fourth down, that always feels bad, you know, because people are always going to assume that you make the field goal. That's like an automatic, right? Unless it's like a 50 yarder or something. If people are arguing against going for it, they always treat it like getting that field goal was three points. It just in stone, that was going to be three points and you gave that up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I just thought it was a good explanation. And if the Browns defense, you know, taking that one step further, if the Browns defense continues to improve um, what it's been doing the last couple of weeks, you'll probably see Kevin start to go down on this list. Not, you know, he, I don't think he'll ever be, you know, further down the middle of the path, but you could see how, given his answers and, you know, just what makes sense for him, how that aggressiveness may go down quite a bit, you know, unless they're playing a specific team that they can't hold down like say kansas city or somebody like that
1: yeah that's that's a great point it's um it's definitely tied into to some of the teams they play and yeah some of the some of the belief in your defense is is right too right where you know it's like we're not as afraid as we can get we can get three here or or even i don't know you could also consider like well if we're at the 10 yard line we can pin them and We'll get the rock back. I True. I don't True. I don't get into the weeds on this, man. I don't overthink it. I trust that they have people on staff telling them those exact situations where, hey, the data says we should go for it here. And then if he doesn't decide to go for it, like he sent out his team to kick 53 yarders before, you know, like he's, right. like, he's sure. not. Right. I don't think he's living in fear. I think he's trying to feel the game out. I don't mind going for it on fourth and three at your three yard line in the first quarter. Like there's a lot of game to be played, right? Like. It's okay to me to do that. There are scenarios where, like, I thought the Jags should have kicked a field goal and gone up 17-0 right there, you know? You, I thought getting up three scores was a better outcome than taking that risk. I just did. And, like, there, that's just, again, there's probably data that tells me I'm an idiot, but I, I sometimes just feel, I don't know, man, may, maybe the game should be played by the spreadsheet sometimes, but I think there's times where you can go off of it to get outcomes, like, going into halftime Cincinnati feeling like they're down 17 to nothing instead of, you know, 3 scores instead of just, you know, having all the momentum. Like what is the what is the difference to me, John, of saying okay, we go in up 21 nothing. That's great. 3 scores, but we can also still go in up 3 scores without the negative outside the the, the negative feel is the Bengals getting this huge momentum swing feeling good going into halftime and coming out, you know, saying, hey, we just need to score twice and we're back in this thing. I don't know. It's just like, there's some times where I think the data can be misleading in terms of like the risk reward. So, but then again, like I said, there's probably people who will tell me I'm an idiot and I should shut up talking about that. And they're fine because I don't really study it. I don't, I don't, I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about that stuff. So I'm not the greatest researcher. You're listening to the wrong podcast. There are a lot of great <laughs> uh, analytic podcasts out there you know there there really are the guys that talk kevin about Cole. this so kevin does a great job he's been on this pod several times i'll have him on again there's uh there's definitely a uh a, a better pod for that and that's okay i'm not trying to really do that here uh we're trying to do some different things and and uh, i won't have great opinions on it unless i dive in and study it and i don't have time for that right now so let's talk about around the afc north pittsburgh is the one one and three team it's hard to see i know we've been saying it now uh, and, and again, they're like the undertaker popping out of the grave. It's, it's like Pittsburgh can str- string a couple together, but it's really hard to see Ben getting it right and turning it around at his advanced age. And, and, uh, the feeling around that there's so much dysfunction happening around like that quarterback position too. So I don't know, man, I, I have a hard time seeing Pittsburgh turn this thing around. They made a statement. I think Tomlin did this week. They won't be benching Ben. So there's that they won't do that. It's a little different than Eli, because who was who were they trying to replace Eli with? Didn't they draft a quarterback? Was that Daniel Jones? Yeah. No, it wasn't was it Daniel, Daniel Jones. I can't yeah, remember. It before that.
2: And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it Geno Smith? Maybe. No, he went to the Jets. He went to the Jets. There was somebody they drafted.
1: What was Eli's last year, 2017? I thought, I thought they right. I thought they drafted somebody, and they were trying to get that player onto the field. Maybe it was a second round. Maybe it was like Davis Webb or something. I can't remember who it was. No, it was, well... Eli's last year, if twenty seventeen wasn't his last year, what year? Uh, might have been relying on my computer to update in real time on this pod, folks. Five and eleven. Uh, Kyle Aletta got some time. Eli played and that I mean, was it nineteen? How when did Eli stop playing? Yeah, it was Ga- like it was, it was Daniel ago. Jones. Jeez, it was twenty nineteen. I feel like Eli's been retired for like seven years. It was it was wow. uh I did too. It was Daniel Jones in 2019 that started 12 games and Eli started four. So like there was genuine pressure from a young player. There's none of that in Pittsburgh. So who are they going to play? Mason Rudolph? Like that dude clearly is not it, right? Like he's not it. So it's like they have no other option. And this is on Pittsburgh because they should have planned better. They've had this, this lingering Ben thing for a while. He uh, destroyed his arm three years ago, missed a whole year. You should have been planning at that point. You went out and got aggressive and got Minka Fitzpatrick. So This is on them. I just don't see them turning it around. Do you see them figuring it out at any point, or is it just going to be like a slow five and 12 type of deal for them?
2: Yeah. And in a terrible quarterback year Um, so far, I mean, obviously things change fast, you know, uh, I've seen it before, but usually it's not a good sign. If you are five weeks into the college football season and there's not a clear number one quarterback, you know, it's just a mess of guys. That's usually like a death knell for a quarterback class. You know, like, maybe one of them will be good, but, you know, there'll be ten of them drafted, and good luck finding that one. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I don't see it. I don't think they – you know, they're at home this week. Teddy might not play. I don't – I still don't think they can win. Even if Teddy doesn't play and they have to play Drew Locke, I don't think that they can beat Denver. I really just don't see any reason. uh, You know, I don't don't know where they're going to find wins on this schedule, uh, playing like they are now. So – you know we'll see how it goes but if you can't block and you can't throw uh, I don't really care how well you can play defense
1: And they and they so. don't, they don't run it either John like they 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 still run the football from the gun and they have no consistent approach and it's kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be They have Matt Canada who is the motion guru right he's the guy who uh is supposed to be the motion man and he has um I think 10% of motion plays right uh, is what I saw. Or they're, they're down 10% from their league worst number last year. They don't motion. They don't shift or they don't motion. It's like. They're, Top they're, four in the <laughs> shotgun, too. Oh, Top yeah. Four the, in the always be. Because that's what Ben wants. That's the only way he can function. And it's like. It's just hard to, to watch Ben. You know, you I don't know. Do, does Ben start to think, man, I stuck around way too long? Like, you just end up ruining your reputation, right? Like, you just, like, you're hanging on, and people have spent two, three years just kind of. Uh, belittling you and it's like man that probably should have stepped away when people had a decent opinion of me instead of this end of the line scenario <laughs> I don't know I don't th- I don't know how it rectifies itself if they're able to figure it out and win some games I'll, I'll be uh, at this point pleasantly surprised let's talk Bengals three and one I just still have a hard time taking them really serious with that offensive line like I'm taking them serious from the perspective of beating Cleveland and it's hard for me to it's hard for me to take them really serious. I think they've made the right steps, and you've made a great analogy that they're playing like 2018 Cleveland uh, where they're going to have a fun year but maybe not win a ton of games. But they're at least fun, and they, you, can, you can see the blueprint for where they're going. Uh, but I still, even as well as Joe played the other day, it's, like, it's pretty obvious to me that they're going to go stretches in games where they just can't figure it out before it pops off, and then it's like you just have to kind of weather the storm with them, you know?
2: No, agreed. I mean, you know, they're going to score some points. They're going to move the ball, but um, I, I saw everything I needed to see to confirm, you know, who they are in my eyes uh, Thursday night last week, you know, they struggled to beat a Jacksonville team and, you know, good for, good for Joe and good for Bengals fans that uh, he got hot in the second half and looked great doing it. Um, You know, T Higgins coming back, that's a big deal for them. That'll be nice. But, you know, ultimately I, I feel really comfortable with the projection of them being a you know, a seven or eight win team this year.
1: Yeah, I don't have any great movement on my uh, feeling of Cincinnati one way or the other. Uh, it just hasn't changed it. We'll see when they play somebody real. I should mention Cincinnati has coming up. They go – this is their test. I mean, they host Green Bay. It's going to be a sync game for them, right? Like they're going to throw everything they have at Green Bay coming in who's playing good football. So we'll get a better feel for where they're at. After this week, then they go Lions. Uh, after Detroit, they go ahead and host. Uh, they actually travel to Baltimore, so two of three next few games will be tough for them. And the Lions are pesky too. You know, they've given people they are giving people trouble. Uh, Pittsburgh goes Denver at home, host the Seahawks, and then they go to Cleveland and then they host the Bears. So it's like those. If they go zero and three in the next three, they're one and six it it starts to get really ugly over that way so we will keep our eye on that for pittsburgh we got to talk baltimore too who just continues to find ways to win really happy that they did not land stefan gilmore that would have been really really annoying uh, i was happy that, that didn't happen but they go colts chargers uh Bengals three actually this is kind of crazy it probably makes up for their uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh-Cleveland run in the in the early part portions of December, but they have four straight home games. So they play the Colts at home, Chargers at home, Bengals at home, Vikings at home. So they don't leave town for over a month. Uh, they get to stay in Baltimore. So, you know, where are you at with Baltimore? I just, I continue to see like a 10-11 win team, man, who maybe they run it. They keep, like to me, they should have definitely lost that Lions game and they the Chiefs game is like, Ugh, it's gross. Those two games right there changed the course of what it could look like for them because they could easily be sitting at, you know, it could have been 0 and 3 going into Denver and be 1 and 3. But they're what, 2 and 2? Are they 3 and 1? They're 3 and 1. I mean, God, 3 and 1. Yeah, yeah, 3 and 1. And they got the Colts and Chargers. Colts will give them a decent game, but you know, they're just uh, same old, same old with Baltimore. They just continue to
2: win some games they shouldn't, right? No, you know, I mean, they, you know, they looked good last week. Um, that would be the the first true good game that they had, I think, um, overall. But they, I just, uh, I think they have their fatal flaws. You know, I think I got some issues. We'll see what happens. You know, they'll get uh, Bateman back at some point. Uh, but they have issues on the offensive line. Um, and I still, I, I think you're right. I think it's a 10-11 win team. Could even be twelve. Um, But I don't think they're going to be the equivalent of that win total in terms of, say, a Super Bowl threat. So, you know, this week we've got Indy. And I know last week I said they're going to play down to their competition or play up to their competition. Turned out to be wrong for this last week. Let me see what happens against Indy. Losing Bridgewater
1: was crippling for Denver, too. They don't have any plan for that. You know, they didn't plan for Locke. We'll see how... We'll see how Denver, because we're going to keep our eye on Denver coming up in a couple weeks. Like if uh, Drew Locke is like a disaster, we got to keep our eye on them. But yeah, keep going. Sorry, man.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
2: No, it's all good. Uh, you know, I just want to see how they look against Indy's defense and whether that ends up being a close game. You know, because if they're if they're a good, you know, ten eleven win the twelve win team, uh, they should beat Indy handling. And so I, I'm interested to see what they look like. And you know, I will adjust accordingly if they come in and do what they did to Denver against Indy.
1: Yeah, with Indy going there, it's like they at least. They at least match a physical brand of football, right? So um, not all teams are sort of wired that way. I think that Indy has been pretty good as far as physically giving teams in the run game trouble. So that will be at least something to monitor. I don't expect Indy to win that game, but it should be close, in my opinion. Uh, to, to One of
2: Lamar's worst games was against Indy last year. So it, it should be interesting to see what
1: he looks like. Yeah, For sure, for sure, and and you know if you can get something decent out of Wentz for four quarters, you can you can give that defense trouble. I, mean, I don't think that defense. I mean, I know, I know some guys on that 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 group are playing well and they're mixing up schemes a little bit more, but they're they're very vulnerable. So I'll be paying. That's a game I'll probably rewatch just because I I just always trying to monitor where Baltimore is because I do view them as the real competition for this division. So we'll Great. transfer out of this. We'll talk about the game. Coming up, our usual how the Browns beat the next opponent and how the Browns beat the Chargers. As we lead off it, John, it's probably tied to Baker. I'm just kind of curious at this point where you are with it and, uh, you know, your thoughts on the game and then your thoughts on where he is heading into this one, your thoughts on the news coming out, the timing of the news, all of it. Just curious where you're at. Uh,
2: So just on the game itself, you know, we saw a pretty good – graph come out today about the advantage in the trenches. I don't know if you got to see that graph, Um, but it was a monster advantage um, um, on both sides for Cleveland uh, against uh, the Chargers. So that's, I think that's where it's won. I think that they haven't been challenged really uh, in that sense so far. And I think that, you know, given what we talked about a little bit earlier with Staley's defensive Philosophy just in general and begging you to run the ball. Uh, Cleveland has been as good as anybody, usually better in terms of the kind of EPA and stuff like that they're generating out of the run. Got two running backs that are hot. Um, you know, offensive line also might be better uh, running the ball at this point than they are uh, pass blocking if we're not going to have Jed or um, Hubbard for this game. So uh, I think that the formula is there that if we can control both lines of scrimmage and this defense does a good job against Herbert, we might be able to to do quite a lot leaning pretty heavily on the run game. A la, you know Baker's first, you know the Browns first six games last year when you know Baker just was trying to get out of bad habits, trying to learn the system. You know they relied heavily on the run game. That's how I see this game plan being drawn up. And how we beat this team. You know, they, I think there's definitely, they have an improved offensive line, but they've got a couple of guys that are vulnerable. And offensive line oftentimes is a weakest link unit. So if there's a weakest link unit and we have as many pass rushers as we do on this team, I don't know that you're going to be able to hide them. So uh, I think we should be able to get to Herbert. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, but uh, he has regressed uh, quite a bit. Uh, under pressure this year last year i think he he's
1: unbelievable he was was up there
2: correct now now he's about 22nd 23rd in the league uh, against pressure this year so um you know that's that's to be expected almost nobody is stable in that in that regard year to year so um you know with the guys that if we can put I mean, we're not going to do a 50, what were we, Fifty 54% or something like that in pressures on Kirk Cousins dropbacks. I don't, I don't see us doing that. But if we can, you know, do something in between, you know, 30% pressure or something like that, you know, gets Herbert off his game. Uh, I think that the numbers look pretty good for us outside of having to take another road trip all the way out to the West Coast. So there's there's little things like that. But I'm not really afraid of the home field advantage. Uh, and I think that there are clear advantages in the personnel. I think we are a better team. So, you know, even with Baker in the condition that he's in. So, you know, going into Baker, you know, personally, you know, I, I'm not surprised that, you know, he's got some kind of a, a a tear there. I mean, I think it's almost obligatory. Like, I don't know that you can pop a shoulder out and have no kind of damage to the surrounding tissues. So, you know, whether it's a, you know, uh, the, the brace affecting him, because you don't know how that shifts during the, you know, during the, um, you know, during a play, during, you know, after a sack, you don't know how it shifts over the course of a, of a game. You know, he's still getting used to that. I don't know how much pain he's in. I'm not even going to speculate. You know, what I know is that it's affecting him. Um, probably mentally as well as physically. I don't know how confident he is in firing off you know, some of the tight you know, throws that you might see down the middle, um, I, but he's got to learn to manage it. There's a reason they're playing him, right? There's a reason they're playing him and not playing their $7 million backup. If you've got a $7 million backup who is extremely familiar with the system, who the head coach is extremely familiar with, and you are still playing Baker, there's a reason for that.
1: So why did so, the news come out today, John? Why wasn't it told? They knew this thing was torn two weeks ago. They they, they MRI'd it. They did everything. They've known this. It's a thing with this medical staff in Cleveland. And even it's other places, too. McVeigh is very shady about injuries. Like, if your quarterback is struggling a little bit, wouldn't you want people to know? It's not like every team doesn't know his shoulders hurt. They all, they all go watch film. They watched him, the tackle on the interception. It's on NFL films, the inside the NFL. He's got the she comes in and hey, man, it popped back into place. I'm good to go. Like, everyone knows. You're not hiding it, bro. This is the. (laughs) Everyone in the NFL knows Baker did something to his shoulder when he made that tackle. Like, so what's the benefit of not releasing this? Put your tinfoil hat on here and tell me why. I'm open to any suggestion. Why are we hearing about it now the night after he makes an Instagram post about people doubting him? Did his his group leak it? Like, what's the goal here?
2: Yeah, that would be the obvious you know tinfoil hat theory right that that he's hearing all of the all of the noise and his people leaked it that would you know it makes more sense than anybody on the browns doing it uh, though again you know keeping it secret to begin with doesn't make a ton of sense to me um but they've done a, a few questionable things this year with that so yeah i mean you know if you're asking me flat out uh, i think the most likely camp that this floated from was the Baker side. Now that could be anybody on that side. It could be his agent could be, you know, it could be his wife. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, at the same time there were how many people different, you know, I read a few different ones and I want to say there was up to three different league sources that confirmed this. So I don't know. You know, is that three people on Baker's side are confirming it, or one person leaked it from Baker's side, and then they got it confirmed with after it was already out there with a couple other people within the organization? I don't know.
1: It just you know? is weird, but, man. It's just yeah. it, to me, it's strange. I get, I get it. It's cool. Like I don't know why that wouldn't be out early. I don't, it's like why would you want your quarterback who's clearly beat up in that game, then he doesn't play all too well the next game. People are trying to say it's one bad game. I don't think he's been that great. He had a great three quarters in Kansas City, did not have a great fourth quarter, and I'm not blaming that loss on him. He just didn't have a great fourth quarter, miss some throws he he usually makes. And then in this, you know, the the 19 for 21, that's cool, but if you go rewatch the breakdown of the second half, you're going to see some decisions where it's like, oh, could have had 300 and a couple touchdowns. Next game, oh, could have had 300 and a couple touchdowns. So, And if you go back and watch the Minnesota game where if you look at it, They threw for 120 yards. They threw five screen passes. I think four of the five were caught for, like, 50 yards. So they were 30, 35, 40 yards. So they really only threw for 110 yards. And if you look at the throws missed, they're leaving 300 yards on the field again. So that's a big part of why I can't really get get into the hate Kevin Stefanski side of play calling. It's like, man, I don't think anyone understands. I just, John, I don't think anyone understands play calling and how hard it is and how you're blamed for things that you shouldn't you can put players in the perfect position. You can put them in the perfect spot and somebody mistake makes a mistake, and then every decision surrounding that that play is magnified. And why didn't they run it here? It's like they ran it 35 times, man. They ran it 35 times. They had four touchdown balls that were not completed. And like, what do you what do you want them to do? Like I don't know. They they want miracles with play. I, I'm pretty sure play calling is like being the president. It's just like you can't win. You can never win. <laughs> so um, yeah. yeah, put a put a bow on the Baker thing. Like I don't know. I, I'm with you, dude. Like if you're not healthy enough, you you need to sit. And if uh, if they're gonna, they're smart people. They're smart people. So they're talking to Baker, and Baker's telling him I'm fine. I would imagine, John, that he's having okay practice because if he's having these practices like he's he's his game Sunday. Then it would tell me that like, you know, he he he's not if he's not practicing well, there would be a discussion. But it seems like Kevin said he's practicing well, so maybe Sunday was a one-off. I am more than willing to admit Sunday could have been a one-off. It's cool. He'll come back and be okay. But like also don't tell me he's not running. He's he's taking hits. Like they're not I mean, he ran right. one time in a design play, a little uh, a little read option there where he kept it, but like he ran like five times, six, seven times. He's been running. He's got like 15 carries on the year, and I don't think many happened in Kansas City. So I get they're not calling run plays, but he's running, and he's running recklessly. It's not like he's running and avoiding hits all the time. He's taken some serious blows in that direction to the arm. So I, it's all over the map for me, dude. I don't know what to think. The leak is weird uh, just because it's like, okay, if you didn't want an injury out there, totally get it. But if you wanted the injury out there and you wanted a reason for why he's not playing well, you should have put it out right away because it doesn't change the mystery of it, right? Like, so weird. I I don't know. He's got to play better, right? If he plays better, they're pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, I think that, I think there's an adjustment here. There's just no way to understand entirely how that's affecting him. Whether, you know, whether the shoulder is actually, you you don't know, like, whether certain types of movement hurt it more, whether, you know, um, there's, it, it just gets into crazy speculation. But, you know, what I, what I do feel like is that Baker's always had his issues, right? Like he, you know, we knew coming into this year that he still had a long ways to go in terms of being like the elite of the elite in processing and the mental side of the game. So, You know, he always has had like, you know, plays that he missed, you know, things like that. But when when you start being inaccurate and you're not hitting these throws that uh, that you normally would hit and that is causing a dramatic difference in the, you know, the end feel of your performance. I just think that those those typical things end up getting, uh, you know, intensified and, you know, now you're you're questioning the whole deal So for me, I just, you know, I think that you were right, right off the rip. We're just going to ball this up, you know, like a wad of paper, throw it in the trash, and let's see what we get on Sunday. You know, obviously he's having some success, enough success to keep Case Keenum off the field during the week in practice. So let's just see what we see this week, and I'm not going to draw any sweeping conclusions on where Baker's going to end up. You know, the tough part is, is I don't know that it's going to get any better from an injury standpoint for the rest of the year. So you're going to have to learn how to play with it. You know, we don't have a bye week for a couple months. Uh, so, you know, this kind of is what it is. So you better figure it out. You know, you better figure it out. And you better hobble your way to, you know, this is, a, this is a freaking good team. You don't have to be that good. Um, a quarterback to make this work when Odell is getting open you know it just changes everything when you when you look at this film and you see Odell Beckham with two hundred yards left on the floor you know on the you know on the cutting room floor when you 're doing the editing i mean uh, you know this is a different team than it was without odell Beckham and i don't care what anybody has to say about him um he's getting open i mean it's right there, and so you know Baker doesn't have to be. Baker of last year, even to give this team a chance to win every week. You know, if he can just manage this um, and deal with it as it comes, uh, but you can't be as bad as you were last week. That's just, you're just not going to be very many teams. You're definitely not going to be this team. So I'm just going to go with that old mantra where, you know, nobody's as bad, you know, as they were last week. It's a week to week business, you know, or as good as they were the week before uh, and see what we end up with when. You know when the whistle blows this this week.
1: Yeah, you gotta let you gotta let the sample size keep growing. You know, more than willing to believe that was a one off. I've just like I've seen games where Baker throws interceptions, wrong reads. I've seen games where Baker's highs and but I've never seen him making the right read a majority of the time. I mean, there's a couple I nitpicked. I thought there were two throws to D, to, to Odell that he could have made, he didn't make. And then obviously we all know about the Felton situation. But for the most mm-hmm. part, I felt like his eyes were where they needed to be. I've just never seen him miss so many of them. You know, people aren't even talking about the two corner routes to Harrison Bryant the last two. You know, this this week, we probably could have saw him have a 30-yard catch, and he probably could have had another 25-yard catch the week before. So it's not like he's only missing Odell, you know. So it's, uh, it's more than just 13. And it's like I just have never seen him miss those as often, I guess. So to me, it's like it's a cause for concern because I don't expect Baker to make the Mahomes – the uh and even Herbert style of out of uh, out of structure plays the the Russell Wilson plays. I don't expect him to do that yet. Down the line, he could, but for now it's like Baker's good enough because he's pretty damn good on those schemed up plays, right? We talked about yeah. it all off season, you know, what's the knock on play action if a guy's really damn good at it? Just let him do it. And it's like but if he's missing those, huh? Now we're in those third and longs he doesn't handle that well yet. And the offensive line again, Going back and rewatching the O-line with Kyle Murray, they, they played poorly. It might have been one of the worst yes, Wyatt Teller did. games, like the worst Wyatt Teller games I've seen. And uh, the left tackle situation is still a mess. We might even see the rookie start this week. I, I don't know, man. It's it's That part of it is a big concern. But, like, um, the O-line, I didn't think they played that well altogether. Like, they were one block away in run game four or five times. It could have resulted in huge plays. The tight ends were missing a couple guys here and there. Um like I said, Teller didn't play well. Conklin continues to sort of just be average in pass pro on the right side, and then you're dealing with Jed's issues with his with his ankle on the left side, and then you bring in Hudson, and then maybe you got to play hands. So there's there's some elements there that are tough, and the Browns have to stay out of third downs. That's why this week, as we kind of transition into, you know, what the Browns have to do to beat the Chargers, it's they they really really have to run well, and this might mesh uh, with what they are allowing you to do at least what they aim to do which is to to allow you know they don't mind giving up a couple first downs a drive by running because they think they're going to get you in a third and long at some point and then they're going to they're going to you know they're going to prosper that's their plan right is uh mm-hmm. is force you into to not being disciplined enough to take their so i listen there could be a drive in this game where the browns go 12 plays and 11 of them are runs like i would not I would not be surprised. Kevin should air quotes take the bait here. If they can dominate the run game, they should do it. And I don't I don't think that uh I don't think that that's a bad decision because everybody wants the you know the head coach to make the game plan easier for the quarterback. Well, then let, let, let's see them let's see them do it as often as they can. I think they run enough, but like if the Rams are going sorry, if the Chargers are going to give them those 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 natural run lanes that we're talking about because they don't care, then I'd like to see them take them offensively and then maybe try to hit a couple chunk plays here and there.
2: I agree I, and nobody's ever heard that out of me you know um, I, I've never been calling for more runs but I mean this this defense is screaming for it and the way that you know these running backs are running is screaming for it um, and still you can be creative you know about it that doesn't mean you have to just you know Metcalf up the middle of this thing you know they have a creative run game um, they can vary it plenty and uh, but if they're gonna play, too high shell and, um, you know, give these guys a ton of space. I mean, these running backs, you, you saw it. I mean, what, what do we convert, like a third and third 20 off of a halfback delay? <laughs> you know, this last one. Let these guys get an open space. I'm fine with it, you know. Get, let's get some dump-offs to Felton, get him in open space, tackle him. You know, challenge these guys to tackle. That, that's what sounds good to me. You know, make them tackle uh, Felton, uh, Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. And let's just see what happens. You know, and then fire off a couple of plays off to Odell Beckham. Let him get in space. You know, I think that uh, if the defense is playing well, it definitely will allow Kevin to, um, you know, kind of dictate what he wants to do on offense based on what we actually can do. So.
1: Yeah, and on defense too, I think they've been doing some wrinkle things. The green dog blitzes we've talked about, they've been doing a lot of twisting um up front tech stunts and then those interior those those two nose tackles, they call those a little nut stunt, they call that. They got a bunch of other things they've been doing, a boss front up front. So I don't know I don't know how they'll handle that. I don't know how they'll handle Eckler. I don't know if they'll go traditional quarters with the poach check to to handle him. But the Browns have some wrinkles that they've done off of their normal stuff. So I would be interested to see if if L.A. And, and Lombardi, who's their O.C., have some answers to that, right? Like trying to get them to uh, to get cued on some things that they've been doing really well with and then catching them in a scenario, right? So uh, no doubt this is, outside of Mahomes, the best quarterback they've faced. It'll be an immense challenge. Two good wide receivers. Jared Cook's still playing well. We know what Eckler can do in the receiving aspect of the game, too. So how many times 28 finds his way onto him to cover him in scenarios will be particularly interesting to watch, right? So, um, you know, I think on defense it's still it's still gonna be about making the quarterback hold on to the ball a beat or two longer. If you can if you can make Herbert hold on to that thing a beat or two longer, I think you got a real chance in this one because even though he does well in chaos, I do think the Browns are performing so well up front. And I should tie this caveat to it too, John, which is they uh they, they need to make I don't know, we'll, we'll see tomorrow's injury Announcement will be what's most important, but I'm not sure Tack is a lock to play. And I don't know. Clowney hasn't practiced yet either. So we got to see that stuff all come together, right?
2: Yeah, we d- we're definitely counting on a few things falling our way here as we talk about these things. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that one of the other bonuses that we have about facing them uh, this early on in the season is that we're still surprising people with these wrinkles, you know what I mean? So I, I think that each week, you know, outside of week one, they've just continued to add little things. So, you know, the the story isn't written here and then we could very easily be bringing out new things that they didn't game plan for and confusing them that way. So, you know, that's just another, you know, we won't be able to do that come Baltimore time. They'll have a, Pretty decent handle on who we are defensively, but right now this is still at a you know a developing identity here.
1: Agreed, it should be a fascinating game, and I, I again presume hopefully, hopefully they can find their way to that five number. Right, got to get the five turnovers or sacks between the two. I think that's paramount for them, and they've done a nice job of it the last two weeks. I'd like to see, like we said. Um, off air with the pressure rates like the turnover stuff is going to happen it's just it's just too much pressure too much coverage to not get more than one turnover it's kind of it's kind of crazy to only get <laughs> to one turnover over the last two defensive performances when you think about it holding a team to that few yards week three and then so many consecutive punts from from minnesota to not have turned it over multiple times kind of bizarre so th- i do i do think that's going to flip and this would be a great week for it. you get the charge on a short week Right, they played Monday night, so you get them on short rest, yep. even though it's at home. And then, you know, you feel good about it because you come home too. I just mentioned Baltimore plays four straight at home. Cleveland comes home for three straight weeks after this, and then their next road game is only down in Cincinnati, week eight. So, um, actually, I think that's week nine because they they come home for week six is Arizona, week seven is Denver, eight is at Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and then they go to Cincy. So, light travel after this one, but it's it's going to be interesting going out there. Hopefully, it, you hear a lot of the people on Twitter who are who are Browns fans out on the West coast who are planning to go to this game. So hopefully it will be much like the Raiders atmosphere when they visited just the other day. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. right? Um, we should too, before we sign off, John, let's, let's pick some winners for these hats, man. If you want to write these down, I will, uh, I will go through. We've had an amazing amount of uh, reviews. Really, really cool. Uh, I appreciate you guys like crazy, obviously, um, you know, leaving these reviews and, and I think it jumped up like 40 reviews. So that's always greatly appreciated. We'll do another one of these at some point. But since the 29th, it's been, it's been hold on, man. 1, 4, 7, 10, 13, 16, uh, 19, 22, 25, 28, uh, 31, 35, almost 40 reviews. So listen, huge thank you to everybody. I'm going to go through and blindly pick these. Let me know when you're ready, John, and we will pick our 10 winners. And I will tag, I will tag you on Twitter if you left your... Uh, Twitter handle as well. First one goes to P. Kesselman, P K E S E L M A N 17. Thank you for the review. Next one, as I have put all of these in a hat, goes to J Murph 812. That goes to J Murph 812. Next one goes to D Dubs 927. Next one, as I click this, goes to Ryan Rack. Ryan underscore Rack 18. Okay, next one goes to... That one does not have a Twitter handle. Next one goes to... At Bud Cassidy. Spelled the traditional ways, I would imagine, for Bud Cassidy. (laughs) Sounds like a great coach in the 70s. Uh, How many have we done now?
2: Uh, That's five.
1: Five. Okay, next one goes to... At Haggins 2, I think that might be uh, for the Roman numeral 2. At Haggins, H-A-G-G-I-N-S, Roman numeral 2. It could be for the Haggins 2nd. Could be. Alright, and next one is at Captain underscore Lurk. Sounds like a great Madden or or Xbox uh, online gamer tag. (laughs) Uh, The next one goes to, let me know when you're ready. Yeah. At A Dre underscore day. A D R A Y underscore day. Got
2: yeah.
1: it. Is this our last one? I'm I think
2: two, right?
1: Okay. Trust in you. All right. At Dan underscore London 11. At Dan underscore London 11. And. Lastly at JA Nags 18 at JA Nags 18. Now, this is not the end of these. I might be able to down the line get some more of these and we could probably come up with a way to hook everybody up who left a review here. I'll I'll try my best. For now we have 10 to give away. If you heard your name and you're not tagged, let me know. I'm going to try to tag every single one of you on Twitter uh, as best I can based on the name you left here. So if you screwed up your name here, like sorry man, can't help you, but I'll tag in. You can you can hit me up, John. Always, always, always appreciate these Fridays with you, brother. Thanks for taking your time for not only me but for everybody listening. We appreciate you.
2: Thanks, brother. Go Browns.
1: All right, John said it best. Go Browns, right? So let's have a uh, let's have a great weekend. Uh, hopefully, your Friday goes great. We'll have our prospect show coming up uh, for your Saturday delight, your Sunday pregame show. I'll probably get with Brad Ward to do that again. And before you know it, it'll be a four o'clock kick. I'll actually be up in Rocky River. I'm going to go and watch live and do our pregame show at at uh, uh, the, the the on-site location, which the name is right now. I cannot remember, which is really bad by me. Um, it is. Uh, hold on, I searched it earlier, so I I I, I can. Old River Tap and Social, got it. Old River Tap and Social. I'll be there live with our OBR group. We're going to do the pregame at three o'clock, and we'll do a postgame right after going to make my way up there to cleveland for the first time in a long time so check it out come by and join us at old river tap and social if you'd like we do a pre-game post-game otherwise have a great friday have a great weekend we'll check in soon thanks to john for joining us once again and we sign off with the usual go browns